Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Hello, and you're very welcome to the latest episode of the Letter from Ireland podcast. I'm Mike Collins, and I'm going to be here with you for the next 35 minutes or so alongside Karina, as we have an episode today called On Opposite Sides, the story of two Irish Civil War generals. Now, what's all that about? Well, I think you'll actually find this particular story very interesting because both of these characters actually originated in the south of Ireland, the most southerly part, uh, County Cork and County Watford, uh, respectively. And they went on to have very, very interesting careers. And they did actually cross over, as it happened, in the actual Civil War. I'm not sure if they ever met, they probably didn't, where they were actually generals on opposing sides. First of all, you had Patrick Claiborne, who actually was born as a neighbour of Carina, would you believe, in the small village of Ovens in County Cork. Now, I say a neighbour, of course, the house is still there, but he was born around about 150 years before she was. And he went on to become a general in the Confederate Army. And then you have a gentleman by the name of Thomas Francis Maher, whom actually, again, originated in Watford, became part of the United Irishman in the middle of the 1800s, and then was actually sent down to Van Diemen's Land, Tasmania, for his part, escaped from that part, went on to the USA, uh, where he became one of the generals in the 1869th, I do believe. Uh, So he would have been on the Union side. And after the war, he went on to become, I think, the deputy governor, if I'm right there, of Montana. But I'm sure you'll find a lot more facts in the story as we actually go through them. Now, I've actually chosen three very, I suppose, appropriate pieces of music as we go through the story of these particular characters. And we're going to start off with uh, a very appropriate march song. And it's O'Sullivan's March from The Chieftains.
Have you ever walked into an old house and immediately felt a sense of history between those four walls? Today, we're going to talk about a house located just 10 miles from us here in County Cork and the man who was born in one of its bedrooms almost 200 years ago. A long house in Ovens, County Cork. A few years back, we took the notion to buy and renovate an old house over time. We visited a suitable contender in a place called Ovens. Now, Ovens may sound like an unusual place name, but the place name makes a lot more sense in the original Irish as it comes from Nahuana, and Uav means caves, and of course, the area is full of caves. But anyway, back to the story, we headed to Ovens to have a look at this old house. Here we found a typical long house of the early 1800s. It probably started life as a single story house with three rooms and then extended upwards and lengthways over time. However, as a result, there were few corridors and you needed to go through one room to get into another. We asked the builder with us what he thought and his comment went something like this. Well, once you knock three of the walls and replace the roof, you might have a good house to start with. That advice sent us on our way and before we left, I had a good walk around the house and spent some time in a comfortable bedroom tucked away upstairs at the end of the house. Enter Patrick Claiborne, Stonewall of the West. It was in that bedroom, tucked away in the corner of that oven's house, that Patrick Claiborne was born on St. Patrick's Day in 1828. He was the son of a local doctor and destined to follow in his father's footsteps in time. However, both of his parents succumbed to fatal illness by the time Patrick was 15 years of age. So Patrick and his three siblings joined thousands of Irish people and headed to the USA in the late 1840s to start a new life. Patrick ended up in Helena, Arkansas and was accepted into local society and became a lawyer and naturalised citizen by 1860. He felt grateful for the welcome in his new home and when the Civil War started, he felt obliged to join the local militia as a volunteer. It turned out that Claiborne had a good tactical brain and he was quickly elevated to captain, then following a number of successful campaigns, eventually to major general. His superiors recognised an ability within this division commander to take hold of ground in a way that was beyond many of his peers. As a result, he was given the nickname Stonewall of the West. While Claiborne may have had a superior tactical brain, his political brain was not so well tuned. As it became clear that the Confederacy was losing the war in 1863, he called together his superiors and regional commanders to present a proposal on emancipating the local slaves and to bring them into the army and boost the war effort. You can only imagine the incredulous sounds and looks inside that tent as Claiborne outlined his ideas. 
These were men, the cream of local society, who were brought up in a culture where slavery had been the driving force for generations behind the economic success of their families and communities. Claiborne was a blow-in from Ireland, who was brought up with a very different worldview. Following the meeting, Claiborne was regarded with suspicion and essentially became an outsider among his brother officers. He was further overlooked for promotion and it is believed that he was regarded as expendable and put in harm's way more often than once. Things came to an end for Claiborne at the Battle of Franklin in Tennessee on November 30th, 1864. He died of a wound to the abdomen and was eventually interred in his adopted hometown of Helena in Arkansas. A plaque commemorating the birthplace of Patrick Claiborne was eventually erected at that longhouse in Ovens County, Cork. I wonder what would have happened if we had bought that and renovated that house all those years ago. I do hope that we would have preserved all of those wonderful stone walls within which the amazing story of Patrick Claiborne started back on St. Patrick's Day in 1828. Autumn blast beats dead leaves o'er the ground How fast and far is the hand of war Stood countries brave around Their nameless graves on ocean caves In forest and mountain and glen Where the vulture screams and the angry streams Are hiding the bones of men And what anguish cries from the south arise For the brave ones fallen in vain while the victor north blows trumpets forth And exalts in our broad domain And they'll tell with pride how Claiborne died In the land of the free and the brave And his sword of might was a beam of light Though it led to an exile's grave The horde, their base award, their chief his triumphal crown. Place vile deceit in his judgment seat, where honor is trampled down. Give a paltry bribe to a hired scribe, to a venal bard his fee. And to him who draws on a righteous cause, a free man's sword give me. Though his bones should bleach on a sea-washed beach, though his grave be a lonely mound. His name shall chime to the halls of time and swell to the deep profound. And they'll tell with pride how Claiborne died in the land of the free and the brave. How a sword of might was a beam of light, though it led to an exile's grave. Train outnumber the host he led, and he won his stars on the field of Mars, where glorious Johnson bled. 
was his to cope when a ray of hope illumined his flag and then was his to die when his flag blew high in his band with the stalwart men for no braver host could e'er and boast nor he a more gallant knight since the peerless hue crossed the avenue cast back those hosts the flight and they'll tell with pride how Claiborne died in the land of the free and the brave a sword of might was a beam of light Though it led to an exile's grave There were eyes afar who watched your star As it rose with the southern cross There were hearts that bled when your course was sped And old Ireland fell to your loss while the flowers shall blow and waters flow to the Shannon, the shore and the lee. And the patriot song shall roll along and winding the waves for thee. So the deepest wave of the fallen brave where Claiborne crossed the lines. And the rank and fire from our own fair isle showed courage in foreign pines. And they'll tell with pride how Claiborne died in the land of the free and the brave. Sword of might was a beam of light Though it led to an exile's grave Derek Warfield there with a song called Patrick Claiborne. And Derek, of course, is a member of the ballad group, The Wolf Tones. And, you know, I I think it's kind of amazing to think the way history surrounds us here in Ireland, because I actually passed by Patrick Claiborne's house just yesterday, driving by Old Stonewall of the West himself. And now we're going to switch your attention to the second of this podcast story, and it's the story of Thomas Francis Maher. And I guess he's famous for all sorts of reasons, but one of the reasons that certainly sticks in my mind is that he was one of the first, if not the first individual, to commission and fly the Irish tricolour in County Waterford around about the middle of the 1800s. But I think what we'll do now is we'll go straight over to Karina and ask her to share the story of Thomas Francis Maher. Have you ever been frustrated when you see an Irish surname spelt many different ways? I'm sure you've one or two of these surnames and variations in your Irish family tree. One of our readers recently, Chris Grissom, asked the following. I have found that there are several convergences of the surname Mar, spelt M-E-A-G-H-E-R and spelt M-A-H-E-R when I'm researching my family. Now, this is a specific brick wall for me. How likely would it be for the names to be interchangeable in Ireland? Noreen Maher, an Irish genealogist, had a specific interest in this subject given her own surname. And she replied to Chris as follows. The surname can be spelt both ways, but it seems that different branches seem to have taken one surname or the other. I'd say that the spelling Mar M-E-A-G-H-E-R is rarely found outside of Tipperary, while the name 
M-A-H-E-R, Maher, is plentiful in Tipperary, but you can also find the surname in Waterford and Kilkenny. Thanks for that, Chris and Noreen, but let's not leave it there. Let's tuck these facts under our arm and head off on a journey of discovery around one man who happened to go by this surname of Maher, M-E-A-G-H-E-R. You see, Mar is one of those surnames that has been associated with County Tipperary, Waterford City, St. John's in Newfoundland, the leadership of the Young Ireland Movement, Van Diemen's Land, New York City, leading the Irish Brigade during the American Civil War, the governorship of Montana and the hoisting of the very first Irish tricolour flag. Now, that's quite a set of associations for one Irish surname. However, the most interesting thing is that we're not talking about all of those connections with the wider Maher clan, but one particular Maher family, and most of the time linked with just one particular Maher man. Meet Thomas Francis Maher. From Tipperary to Van Diemen's land. Today you will see that same tricolour flag that was hoisted by Thomas Francis Marr and his friends over the building in Waterford City. If you ever travel to the north of County Tipperary, you'll come across the town of Ross Grey. And around this town lies the old Irish kingdom of Ayla, which was part of which was ruled by the O'Mahars, spelled O with a long sounding father, M-E-A-C-H-A-I-R. Now, this O'Mahar surname was the Irish surname, and that became anglicised as O'Mahar that we see today, M-E-A-G-H-E-R, R-M-A-H-E-R, over time. The Mahars were unusual as they held their territory against the Normans, Normans and ruled the area well into the mid-1600s. Thomas Maher, grandfather to the famous Thomas Patrick Maher, was born in the area in 1763 AD, but he made his way to the port of Waterford and from there he headed to St. John's in Newfoundland by the close of the 18th century. Now Waterford and Newfoundland developed close ties over the decades. Many men left Waterford to fish in the seas around Newfoundland. Sometimes they visited the area seasonally and sometimes they settled there for good. Thomas Maher was one of those settlers. He advanced from farmer to trader to ship owner, and he then went on to establish a successful trading connection between St. John's, Newfoundland and Waterford City. The business was so successful that he sent his eldest son Thomas back to Waterford to oversee the interests of his company there. Thomas Jr. settled in Waterford, married Elizabeth Quain, and they had five children together. And then we come to Thomas Francis Maher. They named their eldest boy Thomas Francis Maher. So Thomas Francis was born into a wealthy trading family and achieved an education to match in Dublin and then later in England. Over the years, he developed a skill for oratory that would be put to good use in the causes he became associated with over the coming years. First up was the Young Ireland Movement. Now, this was a group in Ireland that looked for independence from the United Kingdom. 
And it was during this time that Maher and his friends flew that new green, white and orange Irish tricolour flag from the roof of a building in Waterford City for the very first time. And this is how Maher described flying that flag. The white in the centre signifies a lasting truce between the orange and the green, and I trust that beneath its folds the hands of the Irish Protestant and the Irish Catholic may be clasped in generous and heroic brotherhood. Shortly afterwards, Maher and his friends were charged with treason and sentenced to be hung, drawn and quartered. Luckily enough, this sentence was commuted to transportation to Van Diemen's land, now modern Tasmania in Australia. He stayed there for all of two years, escaped and had the means to travel to New York City, where he studied law and journalism, eventually becoming a lecturer and a US citizen. But his story doesn't stop there. From the Irish Brigade to Montana. Thomas Francis Maher also became a captain in the New York militia and by the time of the onset of the US Civil War in 1861 started to recruit New York Irish into a new Irish branch of the militia. In 1862 he was made a Brigadier General of the Union Arm and then he went on to form a new Irish Brigade. At the onset of the Civil War, many Irishmen were torn between supporting the Confederates in their bid for independence. I mean, they could empathise with that for sure. Or some wanted to preserve a union that offered personal freedoms that they themselves had sought for for so long. One of the aims in forming the Irish Brigade was to solidify Irish support behind the union. Maher led the brigade into many battles until his resignation in 1863. At the end of the war, he travelled to the territory of Montana and he was made acting governor on his arrival. In July 1867, he fell overboard from a steamer on the Missouri River while recovering from an illness and unfortunately his body was never recovered. Today there is a statue of Mar on horseback in front of the Montana State Capitol building and a similar statue in his original home city of Waterford, Ireland. It seems to me that the journey of Maher and his family through life reflects so much of the Irish journey over the past 200 years. From tribal homelands, seasonal emigration overseas, participation in revolts, convictions, deportations, emigration and achieving public service overseas. Maybe this is the story and journey of your own Irish ancestors. Today you'll see the same tricolour flag that was hoisted by Maher and his friends over a Waterford building in 1848. But this time the flag is flying freely over hundreds of Irish buildings throughout the land of Ireland. From Adesha town to the river Missouri They put me down, no judge, no jury On a bright blue day when the birds sang sweetly I found my peace 
in the river Missouri. I led the cause, tricolor flying. I had no fear, no fear of dying. And so for trees, and they tried me. A rifle shot would set me free. Van Diemen's land is where they sent me. Faith worse than death, oh heaven mend me For the land I love's a world away Here again I'll see a bright blue Escape, then came a calling on a whaling boat for New York calling, and a hero's welcome there met me. A second chance for Ireland's free. My countrymen, they rallied round me in '61. They fought so bravely to form the Union, as we know. Then to Montana I did go. This merchant son who hailed from Ireland, he held his dream for his island. He dreamed one day. That bright blue day he'd never see. From Adesha town to the river Missouri, they put me down. No judge, no jury. On a bright blue day, when the birds sang sweetly, I found my peace in the river Missouri. That was the ballad of Thomas Francis Maher there, sung by Brendan Doherty. And what a story indeed, uh, Thomas Francis Maher. And going back to the story before that, Patrick Claiborne, Stor- uh, Stonewall of the West. So thanks again to Karina for reading those two uh, stories. I certainly find them fascinating when you actually put them side by side like that. Uh, for today's episode, on the opposite sides, the story of two Irish Civil War generals. Well, I do hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can actually find a little bit more information and more in the show notes at 
a letterfromireland.com forward slash 719. That's a letterfromireland.com forward slash 719. And indeed, if you enjoyed today's show, we'd really appreciate a review on the player of your choice. Or indeed, let your friends or family know about the show as we'd love to actually get into their uh, lives as well. So again, thanks very much. Uh, this is Mike Collins here and Slán until next week. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, The Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show. And you can find full details of The Green Room at letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Our green room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The green room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán gafól, Karina.